Here's the deal. Um, we are smack dab in the middle of our series on Hebrews. This is week four, and we have been working through this. And, and the whole reason that we are focusing on Hebrews is because of this idea that Jesus is just better. I mean, honestly, that, that's what we're doing, is we're dealing with the fact that Jesus is in every way superior. And that's why we've done this series. That's why we focus. That's, that's why we're digging in. And, and, and so we've been seeing each week why. Week one, we saw that, that Jesus is the superior prophet, right? Because he is God's full and final revelation. Hebrews 1.1 says that, that in many times, going backwards, and in many ways, God revealed himself through prophets, right? And, and we talked about this. This is this progressive revelation. He would show a bit of himself and a bit of his will and a bit of his words for the people a little bit at a time, progressively. But then Jesus comes in full. And Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. He is the superior prophet who in fullness reveals God to us. And then after that, we, we, we talked a little bit uh, in week two, Pastor David brought, brought the word and, and, and he shared with us that, that not only is, is he the superior prophet, but that God sent Jesus, his one and only son, who in his full humanity and his full divinity in this mystical, weird thing called the hypostatic union, that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time, that only as fully God and fully man could he help us recover what we have lost. And that is our place with God and our position in his kingdom. And then last week, we focused on this one issue that because of those truths, because Jesus is the full and final revelation of God, and because he is fully God and fully man, and, and he is able to help us regain that which was lost when we come to him in full surrender, we talked about the fact in, in Hebrews 3 where we're called to just surrender and believe. And we talked about the fact last week that, that when you say no to God, every time, your heart gets just a little bit harder. And it gets just a little bit harder. I, I used to, uh, I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist church in Kelowna, Illinois, because that's where my grandparents went. And so I would go to church with them, and, and every Sunday, that guy um, would scare us half to death. That was his goal. He would sit up behind the pulpit and he would slam his Bible down every once in a while and slam his hands down and he would rant and he would rave. You guys think I'm loud. Pastor Ed was loud. And we would get to this point where every Sunday he would tell us in his really sympathetic, I'm here for you, I care about you way, you're going to hell. He would say things like, hey, there is a 95% chance that while you are driving home from church today, that you are going to get in a car accident and die. Like, wow, a 95% chance. But every week, like it's something, I was, I was always surprised that anybody came back. I thought everybody would have died on the way home that next, but, but, but he would, he would tell you, you're going to die. And then he would stand there with sternness of face and say something like, 
turn or burn. It was really um, heartfelt, compassionate, and easy to track. But, but his, his, his message was to scare us to the cross, right? And, and, and I, I didn't love it. And here's the thing. I don't think you're going to die in a fiery car crash when you get home or on your way home, right? Um, my message, hopefully, is softer than turn or burn. Um, but, but Pastor Ed had something figured out. And it's just this. We all have the opportunity to respond until we don't. I don't know what that means for you. I'm not sure what it means for me sometimes in terms of, of what God has intended in, in, in a broken world that we live in, what can happen. But we all have the opportunity to respond while it's today. It won't always be today. We all have the opportunity to respond until we no longer have the opportunity to respond. And for some of us, that's, that's this issue of salvation. We've just never come to the foot of the cross and turned our life over to Jesus. And, and we have the opportunity to do that while it's still today, just to soften our hearts instead of saying no and hardening our hearts and just say, yes, Jesus will follow. But for a lot of us, we've come to Christ, but we're still holding on to some things. We're still saying no to God about some things that he's telling us. And every time we say no, it hardens our heart just a little bit more. It makes us a little less sensitive to the call that God puts in our life. Right? And he is the perfect revelation. He is God's perfect revelation to us, and he is fully God and fully man, and he is able to restore everything that we've lost. And today is the day to decide to soften our hearts and to say yes to him. And then as we continue in our series, as we continue in the book of Hebrews, we find out today that you know what? We can do that because we can trust him. We can do that because he has given us access to the God of the universe. Because not only is he our great prophet and, and, and he's fully God and fully man, what we read about him in, in Hebrews is that he is our great high priest. So we're going to dig into the scriptures today. If you've got your Bible, and I want to encourage you always to be bringing your Bible with you um, and be, be um, following along, tracking along with us in it. Um, if, you, if you don't have one with you, you can grab one from the chairs in front of you. If you don't own one at all, you can take the one from the chair in front of you and just take it home with you and have it. But it's important for you to be in the Word on a regular basis. Okay, but I've got it on the screen here for you too if you need to. Um, and um, let's just jump right into Hebrews 5. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins, and he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. That's why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor and to finish the thought that he must be chosen by God just like um, Aaron was as the original initial high priest. And, and I want to review with you just a little bit here. Uh, remember what a priest's job is. A priest's job is to talk to God for people. Right? Now, now, that's different than a prophet. Week one, we talked about Jesus as the ultimate prophet. 
A prophet's job was to talk to people on behalf of God. God would give instruction to the prophet, wisdom, instruction for life, for living, and the prophet would communicate it to the people. A priest's job is wholly different. A priest's job is to talk to God on behalf of an individual that would come, right? Now, I'm going to say this as we get going, that one of the things that's true is that we no longer need a priest. And that is going to rub some folks in a weird way in our culture. And so I say it with, with trepidation a little bit and care and concern for people that have grown up in other faiths, um, in other churches that maybe have taught something different. But I think we're going to see from the scriptures today, listen, you don't need a priest. You don't need someone to talk to God for you. You don't need me to talk to God for you. Can I be helpful to you? I hope so. Can I pray with you and for you? Yes. Should you tell me if you need prayer for something? Absolutely. Do you need me to talk to God? Unequivocally, no. You because Jesus is our great high priest, and he is the great and final high priest of this new covenant, you get to go directly to him. Amen. That's just the truth. Right? You can enter directly into the throne room of God, and we're going to see how that works. And this is why this is so hard for the Jews. Right? This letter, we talked about this, this letter is written to Jews... Right? And, and the whole purpose of this letter is to try to convince them or give them steadfastness or hope in this new covenant that Christ has ushered in. But for them, it's so confusing because they learned a long time ago that for them to have a relationship with God, they needed a priest to come and mediate for them, to stand between them and God and help them talk to God or see God or receive forgiveness from God. That was the priest's job. And they learned early on that first Passover that the way that that was to happen, the way that we got forgiveness, the way that we got redemption, the way that we could communicate with God was through the blood of a sacrifice. And now all of the sudden, they're being told, no, 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 there's a new covenant that Mosaic covenant, that covenant that you've been following since the, the Passover and the Exodus from Egypt, that covenant is now old and gone. That's why we call it the Old Testament, right? Not because it's like old, it happened a long time ago, but old because it's part of an old covenant that we no longer follow. It's been replaced by a better covenant. And so the Jews were being told, no, no, no there's something better in Jesus. It's a new covenant. And, and a fair question that the Jews would always ask is, well, then how? How are we forgiven? If there's no sacrifice, if there's no blood to cover my sin, how am I forgiven? And if there's no priest to bring my sacrifice to, then, then who talks to God for me? And, and if there's no temple where God's presence lies that I could go to to be close to God, then, then how do I get close to him? And these, these questions would have dogged them. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, look, look, that's not the way it is anymore. Jesus is the full and final revelation. Fully God, fully man, able to restore everything that you've lost 
and forfeited to sin. So choose, and in doing so, have confidence that Jesus is now your great high priest. And so we see as we track through this what the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate to people. And so so he's going to do a little compare and contrast here. We're going to start in five, work our way back to four, about high priests. And, And he starts with this. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. And so there's a couple of things that we learn about high priests in this text. First off, they're a man. They are a human being. They are fully human. And that should make good rational sense to us, right? Because how is it that we can make intercession for other human beings? Well, we have a human being that intercedes for other human beings. He would understand what we've been through. He understands what we go through. He understands what's going on, and he steps in to make intercession for us. Right? For what? For our sin. We learned that a long time ago. They learned that way back when. We talked about that in week one. Uh, We've been talking about that since I got here and well before I got here, and you probably grew up with it in Sunday school, right? That, That we need forgiveness of our sins, I mean, you know that, right? That all of us are broken. All of us are messy. This is why we summarily reject the idea that all you have to do to be right with God, all you have to do to go to heaven is be a good person. And we reject that offhandedly because we know that's not true. I want to tell you, if you're visiting with us and you've never heard that before, I'm going to give you a minute and let that sink in because that's a hard thing to, to maybe grasp for the first time. Or if you've been here um, off and on, but you haven't heard that before, and so you were kind of thinking, well, I go to church, I'm a good person, I throw some money in the offering plate when it goes by, we sing these songs about God, free, free, forever, we're free, and we do all this, and you're like, hey, I'm a good person. So therefore, I'm going to go to heaven because I believe that God's real and I do good things. I'm better than the other guy because the other guy's always terrible, right? I'm better than him. If you were banking on that, listen, you're trusting something that just ain't real. We are sinful. We're sinful. And we talked in week one of this series that that means a couple of different things. We all do wrong. Right? I won't ask you to raise your hand because that's weird. Actually, sure I will. Uh, no, I um, but who's done wrong already today besides me? Okay, yeah. Like, like I've already today engaged in sin, whether it's just a, a, a harshness of attitude or, or well, I, I mean, I don't even know, just frustration, irritation, um, speeding on the way over here, um, not being happy with the person that wouldn't speed that was in front of me on the way over here. I mean, whatever it is, we engage in sin all the time. When we think of sin, that's what we think of. We think of the wrong things that we do. We think of lust. We think of lying. We think of um, hating. We think of a lack of forgiveness. We think of, of, of engaging in things that we know are immoral. When we think sin, that's what we think about. But But it's worse than that. We've talked about this. Remember just who you are. Oh, this sucks, and I hate to be the one to tell you, but who you are is sin apart from Christ. It's the product of Genesis 3. It's the product of the fall that that 
Everything is broken and it's under a curse. You are not right. You're not who you were supposed to be. This is the analogy that we keep using, right? You are a square and you're supposed to be a circle. And that's not something you can do to fix it. You're just wrong. That by itself is sin. You're just not who God intended you to be. And so we needed a priest, a man chosen by God to make propitiation for our sin. We need a man chosen by God to stand between us and God so that we can be made right. And that was the high priest's job, right? To represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and he offers sacrifices for their sins. That's what he was about. That's why he existed. That's why God instituted the priesthood. That's why the Mosaic Covenant was was instituted by God so that we could, in some small way, have a relationship with him. And there's a difference between gifts and sacrifices there just for your own edification and your own knowledge. When we talk about gifts, um, gifts actually refers to a grain offering. The grain offering is is some fine flour, some oil mixed together. Um, Frankincense usually is included to make it smell good, baked or fried into like a bread or a cake, okay? Usually half was burned on the altar. The other half was given to the priest to eat. And the grain offering, that offering was meant to be, that gift was meant to be um, kind of this, um, this thanksgiving to God, saying, hey, God, I thank you because I know that everything I have comes from you. And so I am giving everything I have back to you. And this offering was a symbol of that. But a sacrifice, a sacrifice was different. A sacrifice was necessary because it spilled blood. And the spilt blood would help me for a second. It would, it would take away the guilt for the sin that I had done. Okay? The problem with this, though, is that it could only take away um, this sin that I had committed. It couldn't change my capacity or tendency to sin. Here's what I mean by that. It couldn't change me. It couldn't change my heart. All I could do, because I'm a square when I should be a circle, and I sin, and I do wrong things, all I could do is when I recognize that I've done something wrong, and I'm always going to do wrong things because I'm always the wrong shape. So I come over here, and and I bring my sacrifice, and I give it to the priest, and the priest um, sacrifices the sacrifice and, and sprinkles the blood, and that blood pays for the mistakes that I've made. It frees me from the consequences of the mistakes that I've made, and and they went on the animal sacrifice instead. So then I can walk away, and now I'm free for a second. The problem is I'm not different in here. I'm still a square when I still should be a circle. And so as soon as I walk away, guess what? I'm still wrong, and I'm still sinning, and I'm still making mistakes. So I have to come back to the priest And I have to bring another sacrifice that has to be slaughtered for my benefit. And that blood has to cover my sin just for a minute. 
And then I walk away, but I'm in the same position, and this were to happen over and over. That's why the priests were constantly making sacrifices, and their work was never done. So they were men. They were men called by God. They were men called by God to make sacrifices for people. And here's the other thing. They were to have sympathy and compassion for us. He is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people. And some of you, that might sting. You're like, ignorant and wayward people. Sounds bad, but that's better. He was able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That's why he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as theirs, right? He's human. He's also the wrong shape. So he has to offer sacrifice for himself before he can offer sacrifices for other people. Right? But when he offers sacrifices, he's supposed to deal with us gently because we're stupid. I know you're like, man, that, that seems mean, but wayward and ignorant. Right? We're foolish. We're stupid. We do wrong. Right? And you're like, that seems harsh. I'm not ignorant and wayward. Yes, you are. And you'd rather be. Because there's two choices when it comes to your sin. One choice, you're the wrong shape, and so it just doesn't fit, and you keep tripping up in this life, and you keep making mistakes. The other choice, the other choice, the other thing is that you're doing it on purpose, and you don't care. And if you sin on purpose with no care and no repentance in your heart and no desire to be changed, then the priest was actually not allowed to offer a sacrifice for you. Go back and read Numbers 15, right? Here's what it says. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And when atonement has been made, that person will be forgiven. But track this. Anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or foreigner, anyone who sins defiantly blasphemes the Lord and must be cut off from the people of Israel. We're going to take communion before all is said and done today. As we go to communion, this is why we say, search your heart. As you go to communion, search your heart. Because if you come and take communion and say, Jesus, thank you for sacrificing your body and your life so that my sins could be forgiven. Thank you for spilling your blood to enter me into this new covenant with you so, so that I can be free, free forever. We're free, and I, I want to be in this. But at the same time, I'm going to walk away and keep doing the sin that I know is wrong, and I'm going to keep engaging with no heart attitude to try to change it at all or to trust God to change me or to do something different. God calls that blasphemy. He calls it blasphemy. When we come and we worship and we ask God for forgiveness from something we have no intention of trying to do differently, God calls it blasphemy. He says, man, that's a way to get cut off from my people. Because what happens is, we talked about this, right? You keep saying no, and your heart gets harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon, it's not today anymore, and we're cut off. These are hard words, but they're necessary for us to understand. Listen, if you're here today and, and the Holy Spirit is drawing you either to himself for the first time ever, or he's drawing you to say yes to him and no to the sin that you're engaging in, 
Listen, stop faking it. Say yes to God, no to sin, and when that happens, then forgiveness is given. But when we say, thanks God, we're going to keep doing our own thing while pretending to be Christians and while going about our business, but we're going to keep sinning and loving it, that's blasphemy. God wants no part of it. It cuts us off. And here, here's the thing about the, the priests, too. The other problem with, with our, our priests that were men called by God to, to intercede for and, and, and make sacrifice for people. They are to treat us gently with sympathy. The problem with them, though, too, is that they're subject to the same sin that we are. I hope you know there's a difference between temptation and, and sin. When you are tempted with wrong, that's not sin. But when you engage in your temptation, then you've become subject to sin. Right? When, when, when you have an angry thought, right, and it pops in your head, that's not sin. When you play with your angry thought and you engage angrily with other people and you blast it all over your social media or you take it out on somebody or whatever that is, you've sinned then because you were tempted to be angry and then you acted on it. You were subject to it, right? You see something that you're like, oh, that causes lust. Don't look at that. That's not sin. That's temptation. If you go back and look again, and start playing with it in your mind, that's then you being subject to that, and that becomes sin. Temptation isn't sin. It's when you unpack it and play with it that it becomes sin. Right? So this is the problem. The priests that were making intercession for us, they were subject to the same sin that we were. And so everything was always temporary. We couldn't be changed. They weren't changed Everything was temporary. That's why this new covenant was necessary. See, the old covenant was always meant to be temporary. The Mosaic covenant was never meant to be permanent. God instituted this in part of his progressive revelation so that we could have this moment of forgiveness of sin and we could start to be made right with God and he could start to slowly bring about his plan of redemption. This was always meant to be temporary. Jesus, though, is his full and final revelation. Fully God, fully man, come together. And here's what it comes. So then, since we have this Jesus, who is a great high priest, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, because he's faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. So there's a few things here to unpack about why Jesus is better, right? There's three things specifically. The first is just simply this. He is the perfect priest. See, first thing we learned about the high priests is that they had to be men. They had to be human beings to intercede for human beings. That's why we break fellowship with a lot of churches or a lot of Christological faiths. The difference, by the way, just so you know, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody. Is that a thing? Can I say that? Can I get away with that? 
Some of you are like, no, you can't, but I appreciate it. Rachel's like, yeah, you can. All right, not mad at any, but, but our Jehovah's Witness Church, for example. It's why we, no matter what, no matter what they say when they knock on the door, no matter how much they say, oh, we're really believing and worshiping the same God, we're saying the same thing, we're so close. No, we're not. We're miles and miles, we're universes apart. And the reason is this, right? Because they'll tell you Jesus wasn't a man. Some of them, some places, some of these Christological churches, the difference between Christian and Christological, a Christological church or religion teaches about Jesus, but not the biblical Jesus. So we call them Christological because they have Christ as a centerpiece, just not the Christ of the Bible, right? And so they'll say, well, this Jesus is, is God, but he was never really human. Or some will tell us, well, this Jesus is human, and then God just kind of dwelled indwelt him later on, right? But he's not really um, God. Or they would tell us that um, he's an angel, right? Or these different things. And when, when somebody comes and they tell us, no, no, listen, listen, Jesus is, is something different than a man and God. We dismiss them summarily. We, we, we part ways. We don't have anything to do with those teachings or those churches because automatically, right off the bat, they're telling us something different than, than this Jesus Christ of the Bible, right? Because a high priest is a man called by God. But also, since then, we have this great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. He's also divine. He's also God's Son. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. And this is why this is so important. We keep talking about the fact that he hangs out in heaven. We're like, why is that so important that Jesus hangs out in heaven? Here's how it went, right? The high priest um, made sacrifices for people. And one day a year, he got to go into this special room called the Holy of Holies. We've talked about this. The Holy of Holies is this room. It's a physical representation on earth of this spiritual presence of God in heaven. And he could go in there only one time a year. So one man, one time a year, could go in that room on the Day of Atonement. We know it as Yom Kippur, still celebrated by Jews. We go in there one time a year to make sacrifice for all the people of Israel. Right? First, he would have to stand out here in the, in the inner court, make sacrifice for himself. Right? Then after he made sacrifice for himself, he would do a sacrifice for all the people, and he would get a bowl of blood from that sacrifice. He would take that bowl of blood. He would walk from the outer court to the inner court. He would walk into the holy place. Then he would go through the the thick curtain to the holy of holies, and he would take the blood, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and then he would have to get out. And that was how he made atonement for the people. But Jesus, our great high priest, look at this. He has entered into heaven, not the physical representation of the spiritual heaven, not this picture of what God is with us, but, but the actual heaven he enters in to make atonement for us. And then what does he do? He hangs out. He's just hanging out in heaven. He's hanging out with God. He doesn't have to leave because he is not only fully man, but he is also fully God, and he has the right and privilege to be here. He doesn't make atonement and go. He hangs out. And that is so critically important, because then our high priest is not somewhere else, but our high priest, the one that mediates between us and God, he is actually in heaven at the right hand of the Father. That's why you don't need me. 
It's why you don't need to go and confess your sins and have somebody else tell you how to get right with God. Because Jesus Christ, your great mediator, is right there with him. And because of that, we can hold firmly to what we believe. Listen to me. Many of you, many people that come to my office and they talk to me and we sit down after a service or we sit down between the week or sometime and, and it's not unusual for me to hear, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I know he died for our sins, but mine are too great. If you really knew what I'd done, if you really knew what I'd done, you wouldn't think God could ever forgive me. If you really knew the mistakes that I'd made, you wouldn't think that God could ever make it right. And we carry this weight and this burden, and here's what I want you to know. Your high priest your great high priest who dies for you is in heaven with God making intercession for you. And your sin is not too great. And so I'm going to encourage you what the author does to hold firmly to what we believe that God is gracious and he is just and he is quick to forgive. And you're like, but Matt, you don't know what I've done. Listen, you don't know what I've done. And frankly, it doesn't matter because our great high priest is in heaven making intercession for us. We keep going. This high priest of ours, not only is he a perfect priest, but he's also the perfect person. This great high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he's faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. The other high priests, not only did they face the temptings, but remember, they were subject to sin. But Jesus is not subject to sin. He was tempted in every way. Listen to me when I tell you this. There is no temptation that you have that Jesus didn't face. I mean, maybe like binging Netflix. You're like, oh, I shouldn't watch another episode of The Office. But I will. He didn't have that specific temptation. But he knew what it was to meander and waste time and to choose other things instead of God. That temptation was full on him. But he was never subject to it. He understands in every way. And, and I want you to understand why this is so important. Listen, Jesus did not have to become flesh to know about your struggles. Jesus, fully God, means he's omniscient. Omniscience knows everything. He already knew about your struggles. He knows the things that tempt us. He knows what that is. But Jesus became flesh so he could experience them. He chose to participate in them. So this God, this Jesus, who was already all-knowing, now has become all-feeling. 
That is our great high priest that's in heaven. He has felt all of the pressure and then some that you have felt. And he is at the right hand of the Father, entering in because he's perfect and he doesn't have to leave and he's God himself and he's hanging out. He is the perfect priest. He's the perfect man. He makes intercession for us. And he knows your struggles. He understands our weaknesses. He faced the same temptations, but he never sinned. And because of that, then we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And can I tell you when you need it most? Every day. You need God's grace and you need his mercy every single day. And I would say this to you. If there is ever a day when you have woken up and you have decided that today, bro, I'm nailing it. I do not need God's grace today. I don't need God's mercy today. I'm living my best life now. I'm all good. Everything is breaking my way. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to go home. I want you to go to your bedroom. I want you to put on your pajamas. I want you to get in bed, under the covers, set your alarm for two minutes. I want you to get up and try again. Because there is never a single moment when you are not in need of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Every day. Some of us that have been Christians for a long time, or some of us that have been Christians for a couple of weeks, but we think we're really good at it, might start to believe that we don't really need God to navigate this life. We needed God to forgive our sins so that we could get into heaven but we don't really need him for this life. We've got as much mercy and grace as we need and it gets us to heaven and now we're all set. Listen, stop it. It's just not true. You know when you need God's mercies and grace? Every second of every day, every breath that you draw, every breath that you exhale, every thought you have, everything that you do, you are reliant on the grace of God. And because of our great high priest who is sitting in the throne room with him, listen to me, he is dripping with it. And he is ready to give it. This this is why he is better. Because he is perfect. And he can do what only he can do. We're going to celebrate communion here in a second. And I want you to understand how this works. See, when we used to go when they used to go to the priest and, and the priest would offer a sacrifice, remember, it would, it would cover their mistakes, but it wouldn't change them inside. They were still a square, not a circle, and it still didn't work. But with Jesus, our great high priest, who is perfect, and he offers a perfect sacrifice and makes perfect provision, listen, it's not just when we come to the cross that he's forgiving us for the mistakes that we've made. That's great, and it's true. But it's more than that. What he's doing is he's actually changing us into the shape that we were always supposed to be. That's what it means to be born again. See, there's a problem with the church in our culture. When we say born again, we think born again, that just means weird Christians. Right? Like regular Christians, like they're just regular Christians. But born again Christians, they're fanatics and they're weird. 
You can't be a Christian that's not a born-again Christian. And we are fanatical and weird, and it's okay. Listen. My name's Matt. I'm broken and messy, but I've been made new, and I'm born again, and I'm, I'm weird, and it's okay. Um, and you can join me, because here's the problem. Er, apart from Christ, we're wrong. In Christ... We are made new. And something that we couldn't do, he does. He makes us the shape that we were supposed to be. It's this born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's weird. Spiritual. But it's faith. That's what we celebrate. That's why we don't go back to the cross every single time we sin and say, God, please make me new. You're already new. What we do when we sin is we say, God, forgive me of my sinfulness. I can't believe that I'm still making this mistake. Help me. Help me to be strong. Help me to grow. Help me to say yes to you and to put that away. But you know what? I'm not saying to him, God, forgive me and make me your child. Because listen, that is a once and for all sacrifice. That's the cross. That's why it matters. We're going to take communion. Ask the, the, the men to come forward Get ready to serve uh, with communion. Ask the the praise team to come up and and prepare to play for us. But this is what we're doing with communion. We're celebrating this truth, right? We're celebrating this truth that we are made new in Christ. That's why we say we practice open communion here. You do not need to be a member of this church to take communion with us, but you do need to be a member of the body of Christ. You need to be a follower of Jesus because We're made new. And that's what we're celebrating is the bread is broken. We're saying thank you for sacrificing your body to take the penalty for our sins. As as we drink the the cup, we're saying thank you for your blood that covers us and that not just covers this mistakes that we've made, but that makes us new and ushers us in to this new way of being. It gives us rebirth. And it's this reality. This is what we do. And I want to give you the same word of caution that, that Moses, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the Israelites in, in Numbers 15. Okay, and it's this. Don't do this while harboring sin that you have no intention to give up. That's blasphemy. It's akin to spitting on the cross of Christ to say, thank you for dying for me. I appreciate that you forgive me for my sins, so let me go sin some more on purpose. It's not acceptable to God. So as we go to communion, I'm going to ask you to do it with a clean heart. It doesn't mean that you're free from wrong things, but it means you're confessing those wrong things. And as you come to communion, you're asking God to help you turn away from wrong and to embrace holiness. And as we do this, Here's what I want to say. Just as one more time, to be as clear as I can be, um, also as respectful I can be if, if you've grown up in a different tradition or maybe you're still stuck between the two. And we can talk about this privately if you want. But in Scripture, in all of this, in the New Testament, as we read um, about Jesus, the Son of God, and the disciples, and the launching and the birth of the church. Listen, there is no 
man-made priesthood. That doesn't exist. What there is, if we read 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us there is a royal priesthood of believers. Because you don't longer need to talk to a priest that will talk to God for you. You can talk directly to God because Jesus Christ is in the throne room. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that you are a priesthood of believers. You don't need another person. Listen, if you've grown up in a tradition where you've had to rely on somebody else to talk to God for you, then I want to encourage you with all respect to break free from that and have the freedom to worship God on your own. To sit down in repentance, trusting the Holy Spirit, trusting your Savior who is at the right hand of the Father. The fact that you can do that is part of what we celebrate with communion because of his death and his poured out blood. When we are made new in Christ, we can go directly into his presence and we need nothing else. And if you are here today and, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to tell you this. It's still today. There's still time to respond. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as saying, you know what? I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I do wrong things, and I do wrong things because I'm the wrong shape. I'm not who God wanted me to be. I'm not who I was created to be, but, but I'm broken. And, and Jesus is God and man and he died on a cross to take the penalty for sins. And I am giving my sinfulness to him. And I am turning my life over to him. Salvation is that simple. And when we do that, we are reborn. We're made right. And now the job as new people is to walk in holiness. And it will be hard. And we will stumble but God is good and gracious to forgive. That's where we help each other. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you. And I just pray that if there's people here today that don't know you personally, they know about you. Maybe they've been trusting their own goodness instead of trusting the sacrifice of your son. I just pray that you will um, speak truth to their hearts. Father, for, for those here today that, that are struggling with not knowing if you will forgive them, I just pray that you'll speak that truth, that you died for them and, and, and that you intercede for them and that there is no sin that is too great that it will push us away from you. Father, but that in Christ we are forgiven and free, free, free forever. We're free. God, I pray that we would just have confidence in your son. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for your blood that was poured out. And we just ask you to bless us um, as we participate in communion, that you will remind us of the love that you have for us, remind us of the freedom that we have, and that you'll just empower us to live a life that honors you in response. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen.